Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. Paul the Apostle writing to the church in Ephesus, finishing the prayer he began in verse 14. He says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Lord God, we submit ourselves to the authority of your holy word, asking that you would, through your spirit, open our eyes and and soften our hearts. We ask that you would show us Jesus, that you would teach us the gospel, that you would make of us, though scattered, a people whose mission is every bit as clear as it was for us before the current circumstances and the unknowns and the what-ifs and the fears and the anxieties that are going on in us, in our families, in our jobs and circumstances, in our families and in the world beyond us. Lord, we submit ourselves afresh to the authority of your goodness and your glory in our lives. That we would see ourselves as part of the vision for what you're doing in the world to bring yourself glory that you deserve even in the middle of trying times. That you're going to continue your mission to which you've called us and where you've positioned us as you've done through your people throughout all generations. Teach us the gospel. Make of us your people. Show us Jesus as we submit ourselves to the authority of your holy word in our lives. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The passage we just read, Ephesians 3, two verses, 20 and 21, they say, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now you may be wondering, what's Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 got to do with me in the middle of my current circumstances? What's a God who can do apparently immeasurably more than all that we ask or think? What can he do if he hasn't even yet stopped a virus for which I'd, I've been praying he will stop? And what does a weird ancient document written by a Jewish rabbi turned Christian that's, that's written to a tiny group of new Christians in an ancient culture? What's that got to do with me in modern American COVID-19 craziness? Friends, everything. Think about it. Paul's writing to them from prison, which means he's pretty much in quarantine, while he's trying to carry on his mission from what feels like a serious lack of resources. And the Ephesian Christians, they're a tiny, powerless, little 
band of weirdos proclaiming that Jesus is king in a huge world full of godless institutions and religions and philosophies, and they're at the mercy of powers far beyond them who make decrees from afar. So yeah, we Christians of today are pretty much both Paul and the Ephesians, sort of cooped up in prison slash quarantine while trying to carry on our mission from what feels like a serious lack of resources, perhaps even vision, while at the same time having a very clear sense that we're this tiny and powerless little band of weirdos, frankly, with a call to proclaim Jesus as king in a huge world full of godless institutions and religions and philosophies and socio-political dynamics that frankly do not want to hear about Jesus except insofar as maybe he can stop this virus and ease my anxieties. What the world needs is is vaccines and and ventilators and to go back to their jobs and rebuild their retirements and get, get back to the sort of less painful normal of being busy with my luxuries that are at least the illusion of self-control. Listen, friends, I need every single one of you watching <laughs> to look straight at me and play, pay close attention to what I'm about to say because, friends, it's game time and in some form or fashion, every single one of us needs to take today's message very seriously and understand the seriousness of the stakes of you maintaining your focus as the people of God who have a mission that this world doesn't understand. I'm not kidding. There's no joke coming. What the world needs right now is the same thing it's always needed and that was needed four weeks ago when it hadn't heard of coronavirus and it wasn't freaking out like life is over. It needs your Jesus-empowered courage and a strength of conviction that comes from a God who's able to work all things in all circumstances for his glory, COVID-19 or not. Your family, your spouse, your kids, your co-workers, your friends, your neighbors, your patients, your clients, they need you. They need us to maintain focus to not lose hope, to be of good courage, and to continue continue to have such a laser-focused sense of personal call that answers to Jesus alone, that they will see beyond their fears to see your faith. Our community, our kids, our spouses, our friends, neighbors, co-workers, customers, patients, and clients, they all need to see in us good answers to the questions they're asking of where is God in this and what is he doing and is there hope? And here's why. Because they're not going to find those answers anywhere other than in people who embody the goodness and glory of God that they have in Jesus. We track him? according to the scriptures that we believe are God's holy word written to us. The answers to those ultimate questions that the world is asking, they are only found in Jesus, working in and through his spirit, through his tiny little powerless band of know-nothing weirdos proclaiming his glory to communicate it to those who need something better and longer-lasting 
than good health. There is no organization, institution, assembly, government, business, or group of people of any type or kind that has this life-giving mission that brings those asking the answers they really need. Friends, people of God, this community, and your kids, and your spouse, and your family, and your clients, and your loved ones, and your patients, anyone under your care desperately needs most from you to keep your focus clear and your resolve strong on the mission God gave you that lasted before four weeks ago of bringing hope for new life in the face of death. We need people who embody new life. <laughs> and if, if COVID-19 if coronavirus has taught us anything and if, if we've learned anything, it's that far too many of us have been asleep at the wheel. So passionately in love with the illusion of control this world's luxuries offer that we were failing to see the power of God who is creator and redeemer and king of the universe who deserves our best efforts. And that we were not embodying the answers to the world's questions of where is God, what is he doing, and is there hope? So friends, we're going to ask four questions. Four questions that are answered in the text of Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Yes, four questions, two verses. Asking these questions and answering them through these two verses will help us understand today, will help us understand better the power we have that we've had all along to embody those answers. The four questions are this, are these. Number one, how much can God do? Number two, what does God do? Number three, how will God do more? And then number four, what is God owed because of, because of what he's doing? So four questions answered from the text and uh, we're going to answer them today fairly quickly <laughs> because the point today, the point today is not so much to understand deeply all the meanings and the nuances of the text itself because they're fairly self-explanatory, but to understand it, to feel deeply the point and the purpose, the direction, the trajectory of the narrative of this text, that our lives as believers that our lives as believers find their larger meaning as they're directed toward being and embodying God's goodness and glory even in the middle of panic and anxiety all around us. Our lives are meant, they're created and meant to be to him, directed to and toward him who is able to bring himself glory in all circumstances and throughout all generations. First question, how much can God do? Look at Ephesians 3, verse 20. Just the first two-thirds of the verse there. Paul finishes his prayer that he began in verse 14 by saying this, verse 20, now to him, meaning to God, meaning to and for and directed toward him, now to him who is able, he's the only one able to do this, him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or 
think. Now press pause. Remember from last week, this is Paul's prayer uh, for the Ephesian Christians, uh, a young, powerless, tiny group of, of new believers who hadn't been Jews before. Most of them had been, had been Gentiles, so they're unaware of all this new tradition and how to live this life. And so Paul's giving them instructions. He's saying, like last week, you have more love and power. His prayer for them, starting in verse 14, is that they would know with greater and greater depth the power and love that come from God. And he starts here then, in verse 20, by saying the power and love that strengthened them, that he's been referring to in 14 to 19, all of that is about giving them what they need to be directed to him. Now, to God. And then Paul says, to him who is able to do far more abundantly. Now, far more abundantly is just one big power-packed word in the uh, original Greek language, uh, even though in the, the English Standard Version here, it's three, far more abundantly. This one word essentially means uh, infinitely more than. It's like Paul is trying to pack a bunch into one word to stretch the bounds of language to express as accurately as he's able, the nature of God's limitless and immeasurable power. He says it's an infinitely more power. So the basic answer to our first question of how much can God do is far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, than anything you could ask for or even imagine in your mind. Paul is saying here, in essence, that God's ability exceeds our comprehension our understanding. So, what is this far more abundantly than all we could ask for or think stuff that God is doing? What is this far more abundantly than all we could ask or think stuff that God's apparently doing? What is he able to do that Paul's referring to here? And how does it qualify as far more abundant than all that we ask or think? Question two, what exactly does God do that's so immeasurably powerful and beyond us? What does God do? Well, the short and long answer is basically the first three chapters of Ephesians. Look back with me at Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Ephesians one, verse three, right at the very beginning of the book. Paul says that God has blessed us, meaning his people, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, with all the riches that Jesus has earned in the heavenly places. Notice two things here. First, it is every spiritual blessing, not some, not half, not most, and no, it's not merely enough spiritual blessings off of which we can sort of functionally piggyback and fill up the rest with our goodness that can gain God's graces. It's the kind of every spiritual blessing that means that if you're one of God's children, you already have every single possible spiritual blessing you could ever need to have forever relationship with God. That's what you have when you have Jesus. You have the riches 
of his blessing that Jesus earned and that he alone deserves that you and I cannot and that we do not earn and that we couldn't deserve, which means to have every spiritual blessing in Jesus is absolutely mind-bogglingly amazing. And notice, number two, that we are blessed, like he says in Ephesians 1.3, in the heavenly places. Meaning that because of Jesus... In even all the places where the fullness of the presence of God is, is on display, we, because of Jesus, are counted as having all the goodness and the righteousness needed to be in God's presence. So the answer to what does God do, that's the first three chapters of Ephesians that we're sort of summarizing here in Ephesians 1 through with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, the answer to what does God do is this. If you believe in him, what God does is he directs toward you the immeasurable power that comes from the righteousness that his son Jesus earned and that the creator and the king of the universe grants to you of all people He grants all the blessing and grace and the favor and mercy and the goodness that you and I need to stand as righteous, to be counted as holy before him as the holy God who can only accept and be in relationship with that which is fully good and altogether sinless and righteous. Friends, that is what we call amazing grace. You don't deserve it. You couldn't earn it. And that kind of blessing that God makes available to you in Jesus is indeed every spiritual blessing needed to be in relationship with God in the heavenly places. What God does, (laughs) what God does is he, he grants us the spiritual blessings of Jesus' perfect life lived on your behalf that becomes your inheritance, on my behalf that becomes my inheritance. That's how much and what God does. And it gets even crazier because as Paul says here in the next little bit, not only do we get every spiritual blessing in Jesus, which certainly qualifies as abundantly more than all we should ever ask or think are we preaching, it gets even crazier because what God is actually doing is he is using us as we are filled with his spirit to embody, to communicate by who we are and what we say and what we do to embody God's goodness and glory for the sake of others. So question three today is how, how will God do more? How will God do even more? Start back again at the beginning of uh, verse 20 here. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, keep reading, he says, according to the power at work within us. How will God do more? He will do more in ways that fit, that are in accordance with, according to the power that's at work within us, meaning that it's according to the same spirit of God that made our hearts soft and that brought our dead bones to life That power, that spirit is still working, notice, look, within us, within us to accomplish his purposes. So how will God do more? Through his spirit, working through his people, working through us, and toward and for what ends, question four, what is God owed because of what he's doing? Verse 21, here's that phrase again, 
to him. All things are directed in this passage here to him, oriented and directed to him. To him be glory. That's the one word answer to what God is owed right here, glory. If he indeed is creator and king of all and he indeed does have power that extends far beyond human measure and understanding, then he does indeed deserve all the glory. And he is owed this glory, and this glory finds its expression. This is the crazy part. By design, his glory finds its expression through his spirit making hearts new, through the life of Jesus that was renewed by that same spirit, raised to new life that showed that he had victory over sin in the grave by design through all the people coming after Jesus. Keep reading. That glory is expressed in the church, in his people, and in Christ Jesus. (laughs) Plan A, because there's no plan B, is that God's glory is expressed in the world by his people who are filled with the Spirit of God, who embody, who embody that Spirit. And this is the amazing part. His glory is expressed, as he says, keep reading, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Like Paul says at the end, This is how this is all going to come down. Amen. So may it be, thus saith the Lord, this is the plan. God's goodness and glory are made known by his people embodying the life of Jesus, starting at the cross, coming through Paul, making its way through those faithful Ephesians and the early Christians who were persecuted for their faith and those who faithfully preserved God's word and countless Christians who through the centuries stood in front of powerful political leaders and proclaimed Jesus as king under the threat of death. There are untold faithful people whose names we will never know, who embody Jesus in hard times, giving their lives over to God's glory so that you and I could stand here today praising his name, aware that we have new life because of their faithfulness that embodied God's glory. Friends, in the face, in the face of today's fears, you have more power and resources available to you right now to do God's will and to express his glory than you think you do. Think about it. Paul's here in prison with some serious time on his hands, and he could pretty much do nothing, but I don't know. Sit there and write stuff. What good's this going to do? I'm sure that thought occurred even to faithful, strong Paul's mind and heart. I sure hope this does something and that the Lord uses this. Friends, in the hands of a God with limitless power to do more than all we could ask or imagine, It's apparently going to do the kind of good that furthers his glory throughout all generations because we sit here today 
at this moment, in this place, as I speak, reading and studying his words that one faithful man wrote while he was in quarantine thinking, how on earth am I going to continue this mission? I don't understand. I don't see it, Lord. What am I supposed to do right now? What good am I going to be able to do right now in quarantine with with all this time and with the very few resources I have? Friends, we read these today and they give us life because these supposedly powerless Christians in Ephesus remained faithful because of these words so that generations of Christians after them would keep on track with the mission we hold dear today of helping people find and follow Jesus even during pandemics. Friends, today, as God's people in 2020 United States of America with the threat of coronavirus, just like four weeks ago when we had never heard the words COVID-19 nor coronavirus, you and I, as the people of God, are no less perfectly resourced and positioned to continue the mission of God that he gave us in Genesis 1 of being fruitful to communicate his goodness and glory. Why? Because it is according to the power of God who's at work making his will happen through all creation and time, throughout all generations forever and ever, that go far beyond our asking or imagining. When you've got the power of a God whose spirit gives you new life. Don't you for a second give in to the fear narrative that paralyzes you, that keeps you from carrying on this mission God gave you. Don't make COVID-19 one big lazy snow day. Don't check out and don't think you'll just wait it out till it passes. Engage in who God made you to be. This community needs you. Your children need you. Your spouse who is empty and tired and frayed to the ends working in the middle of the crazy, needs you to be firm and focused and full of the kind of faith that believes that if God has power to raise you from the dead like he did his son Jesus, he can work his will today, tomorrow, and forever. So do good, be godly, be helpful, do productive things. In quarantine, at work, six feet away from the person in line of you at the front of the line at the grocery store, embody God's goodness to a world in need of hope. Read things, write things, make stuff, create stuff, learn something, teach someone. Be a listening ear to those who need you to be the adult, the rock-solid friend for the neighbor who needs you to keep your head in the game to help them. Friends, what the world needs most now is the same thing it's always needed, courageous Christians whose lives and mouths and actions and creative, productive output continue to do what courageous Christians have always done proclaim that Jesus is risen king. And he has the power to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or imagine. Let's pray. Father in heaven, forgive us for giving in to the narrative of the world around us. That there is no hope that we are doomed, that we should give in to fear, that we are not empowered by your spirit, And that we should just pack it in in functionally spiritual quarantine that forgets that you've given us a vision and a purpose for our lives that goes beyond the here and now, beyond this virus, and beyond what feels like a lack of resources. Give us a vision to be your people for the sake of your goodness and glory. Forgive us for giving up as if you're not God and you don't have all power. 
It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.